Earthbed Muscle is a grassroots supplement company created by some of the best strength coaches in the United States to provide their athletes with wholesome supplements. Earthbed Muscle has changed the supplement industry with their minimal ingredient approach to sports nutrition. Dane's platform is also brought to you by the Acceleration Diet. The Acceleration Diet is a customized weight loss program catered to each individual, their needs, and their schedule. Accelerate your metabolism today with the Acceleration Diet. Finally, Dane's platform is also brought to you by Holistic Encapsulations. Holistic Encapsulations provides organic hemp extract with an incredible 27 to 1 CBD ratio. Loaded with CBDs, hemp extract has been shown to decrease anxiety, have a positive impact on cancer, improve sleep, improve brain function, and decrease inflammation. Head over to HolisticEncapsulations.com today and get on the path to holistic recovery. Okay, so I wanted to start this podcast off with a nice friendly thank you to the Acceleration Diet for getting me down to 233 pounds and looking nice and lean and mean and shredded. Uh, We got a whole bunch of topics that I want to cover today on the podcast, and it mainly has to do with a couple questions I've been asked along the lines of developing an athlete in Olympic weightlifting, or in any sport for that matter, from the youth level all the way up to uh, through the junior and then the senior division, and also factoring in um, in the throwing world, taking an athlete from the throwing levels of a high school thrower through college and then post collegiately, and I think I think I can have um, a pretty good perspective on this, mainly because I've I've. I've seen it all from the perspective of the throwing world where I've had throwers go to college that are uh, really elite high school throwers and they don't do anything in college. And then I've had throwers that are very elite high school throwers and they go to college and they succeed. And I've had throwers that were not elite uh, high school throwers that go to college and they do really well. They become elite. So, and then on top of that, you know, from the Olympic weightlifting side, taking Olympic weightlifters from the youth division and developing them through the, the junior and senior ranks is, is mainly what I've my bread and butter. And I believe, I know this is me tooting my own horn, but I did win the, the Larry Barnholth coach of the year award from USA weightlifting last year. So I think that that's something that I, I can comment on and have a, a pretty good perspective from. So the main question is, is how can you prepare, you know, a, a high school kid to compete at the elite level all the way across the board? And what are some things to factor in and what are some of the things that uh, need to be done and need to be taken into account? And so I want to, I'll, I'll start with, a, I'll, I'll mainly keep this focused on Olympic weightlifting and then I will try and cater <clears throat> back and forth into the throwing world. Because the throwing world is involved in the NCAA, it is a little bit uh, a, a little bit different. The, the Olympic weightlifting world, you know, stipends and sponsorships come into play, and I think that that's more important to to cover those topics um, and then segue over into the throwing world. So, I think the the hardest part for in regards to developing a youth weightlifter is one, getting a weightlifter to buy into the whole system that 
weightlifting can be their sport and weightlifting um, can take them places that no other sport that they've ever competed in uh, could take them and that they should invest the five or six days a week that that weightlifting requires to become an elite weightlifter that they should they should invest that time into the sport and see where it does take them uh, long term so to start is is convincing this youth prospect um, and I'll use Haley Reichert as a good example because she you know she did or Kate Ware as a good example she did you know both these girls played other sports uh, Haley didn't play as many sports as Kate but they were involved with, in other activities and what ended up happening is you know I talked to both of them and I remember I remember Kate started coming to the gym uh, to train for wrestling actually and I remember it was like the third day she was in the gym and I, I went over to Chris who used to work for me <coughs> and I said Chris this girl could be a beast weightlifter and he's like you think so I'm like yeah dude look at her like she's got she's jacked and she's got giant quads and she's short like she's perfect this is she's got the perfect build and so I think that's like the first step is just getting those kids to understand and and value you as a coach and recognizing that look like I think you could be really good I think you could be extremely good I think you could be one of the best in the United States and and um and so I think that that's that's like that first step. And what you'll get from a from a teenager is you'll get you'll get two to three months where they where they love it and they think it's the greatest thing ever and they're part of this new group and they're part of something unique and special and and there's not many weightlifters around and and they feel awesome and and they're doing all these crazy things and they you know they're watching they have all this great. Um, energy based around this new sport that they found for about two to three months and then shit gets real and then they start realizing that <clears throat> you know they start watching these videos online they watch youtube and stuff like that and they start to understand that those people are so far away these guys that are in the hook grip videos and stuff like that they'll sit there and say wow like you know this might be a little bit further and then that is where as a coach you need to chime in and say like look this is a long-term development this is a long-term plan this is a long-term goal for us to get you to that next level in the weightlifting world you've got to start to see things from the big picture and I think that that's where especially in in high school sports where there's never really like that communication from the coach saying like look like this isn't about today. This is about three or four years from now. This is about today's workout is about getting you better so that in three or four years, you are the best in the U.S. You are the best in the, in the, in the state. Like for high school sports, you are the best in the state. <clears throat> and that's where with weightlifting, it can get, it can get pretty difficult is, is convincing you know, a 14 or a 15 or a 16-year-old woman or a male you know, lifter that it's not about today. It's about later on and it's about working towards these long-term goals and and what you'll get from the high school kids is you'll you'll obviously you're gonna weed out a lot of kids early on that have really great potential <clears throat> I mean I've had numerous people come in and they'll train for two or three months and they've got incredible potential but they as far as like the physical side is concerned 
but they don't have what it takes mentally. They don't have the capability of coming coming in all the time, training all the time, busting their butt all the time, staying on top of their nutrition, sleeping well, not partying, you know, taking their supplements and all that stuff. And that's an aspect of weightlifting that if you can convince that high school kid that, you know, to invest in themselves and invest in you and your program and your training program, that that's a huge step. And once you get that buy-in from a high school kid, and this is in both levels, really, in in throwing and in in, uh, weightlifting, once you get that buy-in that they want to be very good and they're they value you and who you are as a coach and they value your system of training. And once you get that, then you're golden. So you get through that two or three month honeymoon. Then you might have two or three months where they're really questioning, is this what I want to do? Is this where I want to be? Is this where I want to be in, in three or four years? Do I want to come in and snatch all the time and clean and jerk? My friends are out, you know, they're partying and they're doing all this stupid crap that really doesn't matter. Like, <clears throat> Is that where they want to be? And once you can get through that that first rough period, then you'll get another buy-in period. So you get that initial buy-in, then you have a rough period, then you get another buy-in period of about uh, 18 months to two years. And and what the big part there is, like, so let's just say that 18 months to two years is when an athlete is like a junior or a senior in high school. And so they really are starting to see success. Uh, in the throwing world or in the weightlifting world, but they're seeing that success and they're going like, I like this. I'm having fun. I'm traveling. I'm going all over the U S or I'm going all over the world. This is something I want to continue to do. I'm having fun. I'm meeting new friends. I'm going all these cool places and you know, they might have rough meets here and there, but they still see, they sort of see the big picture. But at the end of the day, it, it mainly comes back to, they like being a part of a group and and they like being part of an elite group. And that's, that's that second buy-in period is that that second buy-in period is they're part of an elite group and they feel special. And when you feel special, you like it and you'll, you'll keep putting out that effort and you'll do that for an extended period of time. And then around the time when the athlete, <coughs> the athlete might be, you know, 19 20 years old is when you have the second period of doubt questioning entitlement um poor communication uh just like all the headaches that you could ever imagine and and that you know so so we got the beginning buy-in then we got that that beginning period of doubt and then we got that you know that glory period of the the second buy-in up until they're about 19 years old 18 19 years old and then that that second doubt period right around when they're going to college is when they they start to see especially in the weightlifting world they start to see these you know their other friends are going and they're competing in the NCAA sports and and their other friends are going and and going off to college and they're going away from home and this is a very trying period as a coach because you've got to be able to relate to the athlete and and communicate to the athlete that, yeah, I understand that everybody else is leaving. I understand that other people are moving on and they're they're going to university and they're going to school somewhere else. Maybe they're going out of state and all that stuff. But at that point, 
this is the most critical period of an athlete's development, <clears throat> whether or not they're going to get to the elite level. And if you can get through the second doubt period, <clears throat> the second doubt period is when the athlete is a junior and, you know, they're getting sponsorships or whatever people. And this is a problem with weightlifting right now is that kids, they're watching Instagram or they'll talk to these people and they'll see these other videos and they'll just sit there and say, you know, oh, they're doing this. Can we try that? And they, they're starting to question you as a coach, which is great. But they're also starting to feel more entitled. They 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 feel that they deserve certain things. They feel that they that they they know better than you. You know, and I remember being the same exact way when I was 19, 20 years old with my parents. And they start to really question you and 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 challenge you and and wonder if it's worth staying there or moving on or going to another gym. Grass is always greener on the other side, you know. So you turn from this um, this period when they're a youth lifter, almost like a father figure slash, uh, or mother figure, depending on the coach, uh, slash like cool person. To them, they're like 19, 20 years old. They start to like, oh, they, they don't like to hear your criticism. They don't like to hear what you have to say. They don't like to tell, they don't like when you tell them something that they don't want to do or they don't want to hear. <clears throat> and then you get to that, you know, that, Try and this is a very very trying period um, along that path of developing these athletes to get to the senior level. But in my experience, the whole goal and the whole purpose is that you've got to continue and just focus on the task at hand as a coach, and focus on the fact that you are a coach. Try to guide them properly. Try to help them in their decision-making. Try to get them to see the big picture. Try to get them to understand where you're coming from. Try to improve communication as much as possible as a coach. Because during the second doubt period, if you can communicate to them as much as possible what the goals are, what your goals are, what you see they're doing wrong, what, they're, what you see that they're doing well, and how they can improve and how they continue to make progress, by the time they're 20, 21 years old, they really get through this period where they be, start to become an adult, where they sit there like, well, you know, is this something I want to do for the next five to 10 years? Do I want to go to the Olympics? Do I want to be, you know, top in the U.S. as a senior lifter? Do I want to just stay in the sport? Like, and I, and I think so that this junior period is where, especially in weightlifting, where the athletes really start to feel entitled. They really start to feel that they deserve certain things. They really start to feel that they know it all and they're better than everybody else and, and they don't like their coach and stuff like that. And that's why you see these kids bouncing all over the place because they do struggle to see the big picture because they're idiots. They're 18, 19, 20 years old. Like I was an absolute moron when I was 19, 20 years old. Like I'm still a moron, but I was even a bigger moron when I was at that age. So that's where, as coaches, you have to remember, like, what does it come down to? How old are these kids? How mature are they? They're not mature. And you've got you've to approach it from that perspective. And you've got to sit there and be like, I'm going to keep coaching, and I'm going to coach them even better than I did when they were a youth lifter because I have to. I'm going to communicate with them even better than I did, you know, two years ago because I want them to stay in the sport. I want them to – to stay involved and I want to develop them and I want them to continue until they're a senior lifter because then the best part is, is once you get through this second doubt period, 
that's when the light bulb goes off and the lifters who are about to become senior level lifters, they sit there and they go, oh, I should have listened to you for the last two years. Oh, if I would have just done what you said to do, I'd be on this path. Oh, you know, all these things come to light where they just grow up and they figure things out and they figure out who they are and they figure out what they want. And maybe they sit there and say, you know, I don't want to be a top weightlifter. I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to go another way. And maybe they come back and they lift for fun and they, they have a good hobby or whatever. But the ones that get through the second doubt period are the ones that become the top lifters in the U.S. as a senior. And you can sit there and you can say, like, look, they made it through these trying periods. When they're, when they're a junior, they might, be, they might be 18, 19, 20 years old where you've got to deal with bullshit. You've got to deal with caddy stuff. You've got to deal with, you know, everybody just running their mouth and being negative and bringing negativity into the gym and doing stuff that kids that are in college do kids that are at that age do because they don't know what else to do. They're trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to figure out what they're about. They're trying to figure themselves out. So what do they do? They question everything. They challenge everything. They, they speak negatively about everything because they want to figure out who they are and they don't know how to. So, you get them into that senior level, and then all of a sudden, there's a couple things that happen. They mature mentally. They mature physically on a massive level. And, and this is something that I think is awesome, is that you can see it, in, especially in the women. When a, when a female lifter goes from being 20 to being 22 or 23, physically, they're like a, it's like a night and day. It's like all of a sudden they become a woman. They get woman strength. And it's the same thing with men. When they when they go from being 20 to being 23 or 24 years old, it's like night and day because they're, they're, they're maturing mentally and they're maturing physically. And on top of that, they're just becoming freaking adults. They're sitting there and they're going, wow, all that bullshit I bitched about when I was a junior weightlifter, all that bullshit I cried about when I was a junior or when I was in in college doesn't matter because now I need a job. I got to pay my bills. I got to buy my own food because my parents aren't supporting me. And this is something that hit me hard when I moved, when I moved to Canada and I trained by myself with Dr. B and Dylan Armstrong and Justin Rohde and those guys is that when I entered that group and I had to work till 3 a.m. and then I had to go sleep next to the newspaper delivery spot and the guy would knock on my window at five in the morning and I would get two hours of sleep, deliver newspapers I'd go home and I'd sleep for two hours and I'd go to uh, Cowboy Coffee in Kamloops and get coffee and go just to go train. You sit there and you realize how fortunate you were when you were in college. You realize how fortunate you were when you were a junior weightlifter. And you sit there and you go, wow, now I'm a senior. Now I'm an adult. And now what I value is training. And I want to train as hard as I can. And you realize that every single rep at that point matters you realize that every single opportunity you have on that platform to train matters and and you understand things from a global perspective you understand the grand scheme and you understand the big goal and it it out it almost puts more weight on damage control during that junior period if you can control the damage during the junior period if you can convince a kid that what you're they're doing with you is going to pay off long term and you can just get through that period of dealing with the poutiness of dealing with the moodiness of dealing with you know 
kids telling you they know more than you, if you can get through that period and have solid damage control, when they become senior lifters, it pays off even more because they just look back and they value that period. They value that growth period as themselves because that's when they find themselves. You know, when they turn 20, when they turn 21 and they're sitting there going, dude, I, I want to keep weightlifting. Like, this is fun. <clears throat> and then what happens is all their friends that went to college, they're coming back and they're done competing. And you're still going as a senior weightlifter. You're still traveling. You're still going to these meets. You're still trying to make a team. You're still trying to achieve goals that no one else that you know has achieved. And that's the biggest step in weightlifting is getting through that junior period and staying in the sport and having a coach who's positive and always communicating and always trying to make you a better athlete but also make you have you know a global perspective of where you want to be in the future and what you want to accomplish as a weightlifter. And I think that that's, that's something that if, if we go back to the, the throwing side – <clears throat> is that that's that's something that I struggle with from the throwing perspective is that you know you, you raise a thrower up in the throwing world and you know their senior year I'm dealing with this right now with my one girl Peyton every everybody's banging on her door everybody wants her to come to their school everybody's offering her every everything that they can offer her they're giving her as much offers as possible you know Virginia Tech Penn State Oklahoma Oklahoma State uh, not Oklahoma State, but Auburn, TCU, all these schools. Every school you can think of is recruiting her. And it's awesome. It's so fun. It's great. It's cool. And and she's at that period right now where she's in that, that same youth phase that that you're in as a weightlifter, as an Olympic weightlifter. But the big thing is, and, and this is where it's a lot different in the throwing community comparative to the weightlifting community, is, is that she's got to make a big decision. And this goes for everybody who's getting recruited. If you're getting recruited to go to a big-time college, you've got to make a huge decision as to where you're going to go and how that <clears throat> role and how that new location and new group of people are going to positively impact you so that you can make it through those four years four or five years of collegiate training so that you can continue on after after college and you can continue to compete if you want to. But the hard part with college is that, and this is with the throwing world, is that there's, one, there's so many, there's a lot of bad coaches in college. There's a lot of terrible coaches in college. And two, very, very, very few people want to continue to throw after college. I would bet 95% of athletes that are throwers, when college is over, they're done competing. So it's very difficult to get through those college years and to sit there and say, well, you know, I got this sweet degree, but I want to keep throwing. Because what, what is more likely to happen is I got this sweet degree, my education was paid for, I don't have much debt, now I want to go make money. And that's where it's hard because – the collegiate throwers are all, you know, they're all associating with other throwers that are like-minded, and most throwers don't want to compete after college. So it's a little bit different from the junior perspective, but it's only different because the negative stimulus is a little bit different. You're still a collegiate punk who thinks that you know everything, and you still, you know, you always think that you know everything, but it's even worse when you're a junior weightlifter or a college shot putter, discus thrower, whatever type of athlete you are. And if you can make it through that period as a thrower, 
<clears throat> where you are good enough that you can sit there and say, all right, well, I graduated from college, but I want to keep throwing. I want to try and make it to the Olympics. I want to try and be, you know, top in the world or top in the United States. I want to try and make it to the next world championships. And, and when that happens after college in the throwing world, you know, and then it comes down to, okay, do I go back to my old coach or do I go back to my collegiate coach or do I find a whole new coach? Whereas in the weightlifting world, it's a little bit tighter knit and there's a little bit less, you know, outside influence and there's a little bit, it's a little bit more controlled from a, from a coaching perspective. So it makes it a little bit easier to develop, to develop a weightlifter from bottom to top, from youth to senior level. Whereas in the throwing world, it can be very, very difficult because for me, for me, I'm going to use myself as an example, obviously, is that, you know, I've got, I've had numerous at like discus throwers and shot putters that I wish I could have continued to train them all the way through college because I feel I could have had them through college. I could have guided them socially to not make the same dumb decisions that I make, that I made, and I could have helped them deal with the professional academic side of, of their duties being in college, but then also deal with the athletic side and the athletic aspirations that they have. And that's always my biggest fear with, with, with the throwing side is that I'm worried that, you know, kids are going to go through college and deep down inside, they still want to continue to throw, but superficially it's easy to be comfortable. It's easy to just pursue making money. It's easy to go get a job, make 60 grand, buy a nice car, eventually get a nice house. You're 24 years old. You got, you're making $65,000 now. And look, your buddy who's three years older, he's comfortable. He's living a good life. He's, he's drinking on the weekends and he's making money. And that is very, very difficult to compete with from a coaching perspective of saying like, look, deep down inside your, you are still motivated to become an elite athlete. And those feelings when you're 22, 23, 24 years old that you still want to become an elite athlete and you want to put put normal life to the side and put it on hold and say, "You know what? You guys can enjoy that, but I'm going to keep I'm going to keep training to become an elite athlete. I'm going to keep training to become an Olympian in the, in the shot or in the discus or in the hammer or in the javelin, whatever sport it might be, but I'm talking mainly about throwing." So Developing a thrower from the from the bottom, you know, high school levels through the collegiate ranks and then post collegiate is tough. But the best part about that is that when you do get an athlete who is in the senior level and they're out of college, and so I'm going to use another example of mine is like is, is talking about uh, Rachel Fatherly, is that she came from a system where she she didn't get along with her collegiate coach and. And what you know, whatever that that all happened, and and she came and she wanted to continue to train with me, and she came to me after the 2016 Olympic trials, and she was like, you know, right before the trials actually, she said, I want you to coach me, and I had only met her twice, and I sat there, I was like, okay, well here's what I expect from you, I expect you to train five to six days a week, I want you to train four out of those days, you're gonna train twice a day, if you're gonna work, I want you to work like 15 hours a week max. I want 100% effort coming back from you. I'm going to do a technical analysis on you as much as possible. I'm going to give you as many technical cues as I can. I'm going to devise this full-blown plan, and I want you to follow it to a T, and I don't want you to question me because you're a senior athlete. You're 22, 23 years old, and if you want to go to the 2020 Olympics or you want to make a dent on this, you know, in the, in the U.S. as far as women's shot putting is concerned, you have to follow this plan. 
And the cool part with somebody like that is that when they sit there and they go, okay, deal. And a year later, we're sitting here and we're going, she's tearing it up. And she has this serious, mature attitude towards training for the most part. You know, occasionally there's times I have to talk her off the ledge. But most of the time, it's, it is much more serious. It is much more accountable. They are... She holds herself much more accountable because she's at that level where she's she's had a coach that she didn't really get along with, and now she has a coach that I care about her and I and I want her to do really well, and she's paying me and I want her to continue to pay me. But on top of that, I want her to freaking throw far. So again, this goes back to that senior level Olympic weightlifter. That's where she's at now, and she's valuing, you know, her time. In training, she's valuing her time in the circle, and she's valuing her time with the new coach, and she's valuing, and she sees this system, and she's going, "Wow, this is this is better than I've had before, and I really value this. I really appreciate this." And and it's going, you know, same way with Lucas Warning, all these other guys, all the post collegiate guys I have. It what's so great about it, Mo Riddick is it's the same way is that they they're sitting there and they're going, "Now I'm an adult." Now I want to become the next best shot putter, the next best discus thrower. And now coaching becomes more about coaching the sport and less about coaching, you know, life and responsibilities and life lessons. It becomes more about the little intricate details that come into coaching the actual sport specific movement of shot putting or of discus throwing or, or, or of Olympic weightlifting. And that's where coaching becomes really, really fun. And that's where you can sit there and you can analyze things and you can say like, you can get really good feedback from your athletes as well. And you can value their feedback because you know, they've been through the trenches, you know, they've been through shit, you know, they've dealt with a lot of crap and you know that they've developed over time and they've matured over time and you can sit there and say, look, like they're not a junior level. They're not 18, 19, 20 years old. They're not immature. They're not, they're not trying to figure out who they are. They're past that stage. They've figured out who they are. And that's where as a coach, it's not that one part of coaching, you know, it's not that coaching youth is more fun than coaching seniors. It's not that juniors is harder than coaching seniors or youth. It's that it's different. And it's that when you're coaching athletes on all these different levels, you have to factor in maturity in numerous different modes of maturity. You have to figure out how what what is the mental maturity of, of a youth lifter? What is the mental maturity of a junior? What's the mental maturity of a senior? And they're different. What's the social maturity level? What's the what's the motivation level? And that's the that's the great part is that once they become these senior lifters or the senior throwers that come back post collegiate, once they are at that level. It becomes more about this is the system, this is the program, this is what I expect from you, and then you can start to value their feedback back and forth, and it becomes a much more reciprocating relationship because there's no, there's not as much external stuff going on. They're not trying to figure out their life right now. They're, they've already figured out that they want to be one of the best shot putters in the world. They've already figured out that they want to be one of the best weightlifters in the U.S. or in the world. And so from a coaching perspective, you have to keep all these things in the back of your mind that coaching a youth lifter is about, you know, convincing that kid that you're going to do good things for their life and that you're going to positively impact their life, their life. 
and you're going to take them places they've never been, and it's going to be cool. That's it. It's going to be cool. That's all. That's all. It's going to be cool. And then when you're dealing with junior lifters or, or collegiate throwers, it's got to be, okay, you've got to wade through some bullshit. You've got to deal with them being immature. You've got to deal with them freaking out about things. You've got to deal with them, you know, em- emotionally, you know, they moved away from their parents. So they're, especially the college throwers that move away from parents. I struggle with that myself is that when I left my home and I, I moved to state college, I didn't like being away from my mom and dad. And so you're dealing with that emotional side as well as, you know, maybe they're not lifting well or maybe they're not throwing well. Dude, I used to freak out and I used to break tape measures all the time. I fucking broke tape measure until I was 26 years old, uh, which is, that's so embarrassing. It's so terrible. But, but anyway, it's, it's that during the junior period, you're coaching these kids to figure out who they are as people. You're coaching them to feel, figure out what do they really want to do? What are their life goals? Where do they want to be? Where's, what's the grand scheme for a kid who's 19, 20 years old? And can they figure that out? Can they even think that far in advance? And what's that's got to be factored, factored into everything, into their training, and into the daily communication because things change. You know. And then by the time you get to the senior level athletes, you can sit there and you can sit there and say like, Somebody's coming to train with you on the senior level because they want to be the best. They want to do this. They want to compete, and that's it. And so I think as coaches, we always sort of, you know, jumble everything together that you can take the same approach with a youth lifter as, as with a senior lifter. And you might be able to do that at, at, with some super mature athletes. But for most of the time, you've got to sit there. And what's difficult, and, and I struggle with, with this myself, what's very hard is when you have everybody on, on, in the same room. You have youth lifters, you've got high school throwers, you got you know junior weightlifters, you got junior, you got collegiate throwers, and then you got senior throwers and senior or post collegiate throwers and senior weightlifters, and you're trying to manage all of these different aspects and quirkiness that you might get, and try and convince everybody that there is a long term goal. The youth and juniors want to keep training until they get to the, that senior level. And then when they're at the senior level, they buy in wholeheartedly and they want to get to the next level. And so developing an individual from bottom to top is extremely difficult. It's multi-layered. It's multifaceted. And every single aspect has to be weighed in. You have to constantly be analyzing these things on a week-to-week basis. You have to constantly be analyzing, especially when they're collegiate or junior level, What's going on in their life outside of the sport that can have a negative or positive impact on their training? And how can you as a coach alter that, that system or alter that, that situation so that they, they get through that and they deal with the, the adversity or they deal with the pressure and they deal with these things of becoming an adult accordingly so that they become senior level lifters or senior level throwers solely because they want to have emotional experiences and emotional accomplishments that no one else that they know has ever had. And that's ultimately why people train as athletes is because you want to have individual experiences and emotional experiences that no one has ever had and no one can relate to. I always use this example. John Callis did a PR and he called me up when I was living in Canada and he said, if I could put this feeling into a bottle or a pill, I would be a billionaire. And it is that case. 
it is the greatest feeling when you hit PRs. It's the greatest feeling when you can compete and win medals and accomplish things that you had never thought you could do. And that's why senior level lifters and throwers, hopefully why, they're continuing to train. So that, it's it's got to be you know one of those things that you just analyze everything and the external negative factors slowly dwindle when they become senior level lifters, but they still have uh, external negative factors from trying to pay their bills and trying to, you know, make ends meet and all that stuff, trying to get to gym, trying to have a, a, a doctor who, who can do body work on them. But they, they mature and they recognize that the time that is in the gym and on the platform or in the throwing circle is much more valuable and they need to continue to, they need to continue to value those things because their time in the sport is dwindling. And, and that's a, that's a huge factor. So <clears throat> I just thought it'd be a good, a cool topic to, to discuss, like developing an individual from bottom to top. And, and it's one thing that hits me hard, you know, for weightlifting, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier, but for throwing, it's very difficult for me to let some of my high school athletes go. I don't want to let them go because I, I believe that I can get them to the top if they would stay with me, but that's not a traditional way to coach somebody. And that's the part that I think sucks is that, I have, I've had throwers come through that I wish I could just take them straight to the top, but it's it's so against where we're at in society. Like, oh, you have to go to college. Well, no, you don't have to. But I think that that's one thing that that has that has helped me. You know, with Lucas Warning, is I was able to work with him all throughout college, and now he's back. He's post collegiate. And he's training here full time, and it and and now he's got a job as well, and he's growing up, and that's pretty cool. So. Stay tuned next week. I'm going to drop uh, another uh, Dane's platform every Tuesday. This is my uh, my podcast, and I hope that you guys check out our sponsors, Acceleration Diet, Earth-Fed Muscle, Holistic Encapsulations. Until next time, peace. At this time, we want to give a big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Dane's Platform. Remember to look out for our next episode and check out our sponsors, Earth-Fed Muscle, The Acceleration Diet, and Holistic Encapsulations. Peace!